South Hills, today I am very excited to share with you just some of the huge wins from the Family Month series that we've been in. And so let me just read to you some of the stories we've been gathering from all of our campuses. Because of Family Month, I was invited to join a growth group. I enjoyed the group and the topic so much, I decided to give Sunday a try. I absolutely loved it, and so I brought my whole family the following week. How cool is that? Someone from the neighborhood invited their, their friends, and because they enjoyed the growth group so much, they wanted to come check out the weekend. That's such a great story. Let me read you another one. A young couple showed up to South Hills for the first time. They weren't quite sure what they thought about God or the Bible. Thanks to an invite from a friend, they decided to give South Hills a shot. Family Month has been life-changing. They have been listening closely and are starting to build a relationship they have been ignoring for many years. One of the things I really love hearing in this thread is how you cared about someone so much that you invited your friend or your neighbor to a growth group, that you invited them to come experience the weekend experience. And because of your invitation to what we're doing, people's lives are truly being transformed. Let me share one more. I am in awe with how much my family has changed. I can't even describe the feeling listening to messages that are changing the way we think, the way we talk, and the way that we view each other. Being able to start or end our day with a family devotion, it really has brought a closeness to our family that I've never seen before. South Hills, I just want to encourage you to continue to extend these invites, whether that's a personal invitation, whether you're taking one of the quotes from the weekend's message and posting it on your social media, whether you're taking one of the invite cards and then giving it to your family, or your friends, or your coworkers, let's do our part to continue to extend those invites so that God can continue to move in the hearts of those that are in our lives. Amen. Be like Jane, be like Jane. Jane was mailing that. She, I, I don't even know how much postage costs these days. But Jane packed all of the, the, the goodies that we were giving out over the last several weeks. And she put them out and she sent them out. And uh, that was awesome, Jane. That was awesome. As a friend, uh, I would appreciate it. I would love to have you as a friend uh, that you're considerate and you want people to know uh, about what God has done in your life by inviting them. Many don't know, but uh, three years ago, Jane started coming to church at Family Month. Someone invited her uh, through Family Month, and uh, she's been here ever since. She's a blessing to our campus here, and we love her. And I, I wanted to make sure that people would acknowledge you get your, your flowers here on earth. Uh, for what you do. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, and as always, we, we were giving out gift cards for the fun of it. We weren't trying to put people in their spot, but now we know. Now we know. So pay attention. You might see some stuff on social media. I might ask you to post a picture of something, uh, ask you for something next week. Come prepared because you just never know. You missed out on some Starbucks gift cards there. All righty. Um, it is also uh, not only is Family Month one of my favorite months of the year, but it's also the favorite season coming up, which is the Christmas season. And here at South Hills, we've started this a couple of years back, and uh, we have been doing our best to try to bless others. We uh, practice what we preach. We love living a life generously, living a life of being a blessing unto others, and it is Operation Christmas Child season. 
is upon us. And we are so excited. As you came in, you probably saw some boxes there. But every year, uh, we have, over the last few years, we have been uh, uh, putting boxes together. Uh, we've been asking you, our church family, to grab one, grab two, grab five, grab ten boxes uh, and fill them up with your family, with your kids. Fill them up with goodies uh, that would be a blessing to uh, unfortunate or disadvantaged kids in, in, in other areas around the world. And uh, we are so excited that we get to do this again. Uh, our goal is 100 boxes from a little small church like ours to be able to produce 100 boxes filled with all of God's uh, goodies out here, little toys and whatnot, prayer. And also the incredible thing about it is that not only does a kid uh, get a box filled with all the goodies, but they also get to hear the story of Jesus and eventually accept Jesus as their Savior. And so that blesses my heart the, to think that here are you know, here is a church, a small church in the city of Santa Clarita, uh, doing their best to take the gospel and be a blessing to those around us. Take a look at this video. Mi nombre es Romina Alejandra Ruiz Aragón. Yo tengo 12 años y me gusta mucho dibujar y cocinar. Un día yo estaba dibujando y quería unos marcadores y le pregunté a mi mamá si me podía comprar, pero ella dijo que no podía porque no tenía dinero. Hoy nos dieron unas cajas y eso me hizo sentir muy emocionada. Cuando abrí la caja y vi que tenían estos marcadores me sentí muy emocionada porque vinieron cosas que yo nunca pude tener, pero ahora gracias a Dios tengo. Yo aprendí de Dios a través de la cajita. Oré hoy para que Jesús entrara en mi corazón. Y estoy muy agradecida con todos, con Dios, con ustedes por traerme esta cajita. So we get, again, to be an incredible blessing. Inside the box, you, uh, if you have kids, there is a, a letter that your kids can fill out uh, uh, and put it in the box so when the kid opens it up, they get this opportunity to read and, and get to know a little bit about your child or your children, which is uh, really awesome. And also on the, in the box is you get to select whether uh, you want to provide a, a gift box for a boy or a girl and the age bracket. And there's also a QR code there where you can actually uh, track where your box goes to, to what country, uh, which is really, really awesome. There is a $9 process fee for shipping and all of that stuff, you can um, pay that stuff online, use the QR code to pay it. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Now, what you need to know is that we are collecting all the boxes have to be back here by November 14th, right? Because they need to be sent from here to the processing area where they can inspect and make sure that you got the right stuff, you got enough stuff, all of that before they send it out. So please uh, make preparations to bring back those boxes um, on Sunday the 14th. We would do the job from our end to take it to where it needs to go. So I'm excited. Leave here. Don't leave here without taking one, two, five, or ten. All righty? So let, if you could take more, then take more. I, I'm not going to limit you. God, you, know, you got a lot. I don't know how many people you got in your house. Maybe you want to take it to your coworkers. That's a great idea. Take your for, force your Jane. Yeah. I got. There you go. There you go. All righty. Let's jump into today's word. As uh, Chanel already set the stage, uh, I was like, "Wow!" Speaking about expectations, right? 
uh, family month. Family month is an entire month devoted and focused on having better relationships with the people that we love, with the people that we care the most about. Because the truth is that we all want happy, healthy relationships. We don't want our relationships to be crumbling. We want them happy. We want them healthy, right? Especially with those that we love and care about. But truth is that's easier that's easier said than done because real relationships, making real relationships work, well, it requires work. It requires investment. It requires us to, to be better and do better in our relationships. And so over the last few weeks, we have been using Scripture, God's Word, to kind of guide us, to use it as a mapping source on how we can be better and do better in our relationships because the Word of God tells us how to have better relationships. And so today's message uh, is titled, How to Manage Your Own Expectations. How to manage your own expectations. Because here's the thing. We all have expectations of our relationships. We all have expectations of the people that we do life. We expect certain things from them in our relationships. And so because of our expectations, we get disappointed. So how do we manage our expectations? Let me ask you this. Have you ever showed up somewhere, you were invited, or you showed up with a meeting, a, a bar, you know, whatever, a party, whatever the case may be, and you showed up there and you realized as soon as you stepped in that you did not get all the information needed. That you did not get all the information needed to be at that place. Maybe it was like, oh man, I, I was invited to this formal event and when you show up, Everybody's in cargo shorts and flip-flops. You're like, oh, I'm overdressed. Or, or maybe, right, you, you, you were told to bring a gift. Bring a gift, and you, you thought that it meant bring a $10 white elephant gift. Instead, people were bringing $100 bottles of wine, and you and your little broken thing you got from the Goodwill. Nothing wrong with getting stuff from the goodwill. I'm just saying your expectation, right, was not there. Maybe you were, you were invited for a romantic evening. So you went and got all dressed up, got your hair did, your nails done, right? You brushed your teeth, right? <laughs> you had this romantic picture, and actually what he was inviting you was to sit at the couch and watch a football game with some cheese pizza, right? It's a total, total different understanding expectations. And when this happens, it could be disorienting. It, it, could, be, it could be disappointing. It could be frustrating. We're so taken back by how we could, we've could have gotten this so wrong that we often look around for validation. Like, like really, like, you heard what I heard. Right? Didn't you hear that this was, was, was going to be a formal event? Right? Right? Didn't you hear that? Or, or did, did you not understand? Why? You, you had to have known this is what you were trying to say. Am I crazy? Am I just making this up? Right? We look for others around us to validate what we were expecting. Here's the thing, church. We want to believe that there's one right way to see everything, one right way to approach everything, and one right way to interpret everything. 
And if ever there's a discrepancy, if ever there's something that we misunderstood, we want evidence that we were the ones right and the other person was wrong. Have you ever been there, done that? Yeah. Like, we don't want to be wrong. This is, our expectations are what they are. You said to be here at 10. No, no, we said he'd be at 10.30. No, no, you said 10, right? I'm sure somebody else is going to back me up on this. Ever think that everything would be so much easier in life if the people around you would just think and do the same way you think and do? That the people that you do life, if everybody did it the way you did it, if everybody understood the way you understood, if everybody processed the way you processed, this world would be easier. And yet most of the people who surround us couldn't be more different than us. This is true on a broader level culturally, but it's also true inside every single family. Every single family has people in it that are just not built like you. They don't see things like you. I've said it before, my wife and I are like the yin and the yang. We are opposites in everything. We, she goes up, I go down. She goes left, I go right. I say yes, she says no. Right? We've all looked around at the members of our families and thought, man, did we make a mistake at the hospital? Like, like really, like, because I'm not sure you belong with, with this people, group of people. Because you are just different. Right? You have the same DNA. You grew up in the same household. But the way you process life is so different. The differences are enough to stir up disagreements. The differences are enough to stir up and bring about disappointments. The differences are so much that sometimes even destruction comes to that relationship. So how do we keep this from happening, church? How do we keep this from happening to our relationships with the people that we love, with the people that we care about. There's a lot of insight into this in the New Testament. Luke chapter 10 tells a story about Mary and Martha. Many of you probably heard about the two sisters. And in this story, Jesus comes to visit them. And it says in chapter 10, verse 38, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going around teaching, right? They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits there like a lump on a log well, I do all of the work. It really doesn't say lump on the log in the scripture, but I thought it was a good add-on in there. Tell her to come and help me. So these two sisters find out that Jesus is around town. He's, he's been teaching. He's been preaching. They probably went to visit some of his, his areas. They've heard what was happening. And he's coming not only to town, but he's coming to their house. Anybody ever had uninvited guests or unexpected guests before? Like, what, what really goes through your mind, really? Like, what? Like, are you really coming here? And, you know, things start to happen, right? The expectations start running around. And both of them instantly and automatically, they make assumptions about what that means and what 
is going to happen next. But because they're so different, because they're so different, their perception of the situation at hand and what it requires of them is so different. So, point in case, if that was to happen in my house, right, Monica was like, oh my God, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to get this, we need to get that, and, that. and I'm on the remote, yeah, babe, yeah, they're coming. Yep, I'm making sure the cable works. Making sure the channel is right, right. We have different ways of doing things. So the expectations for Mary and Martha were absolutely different. One sister thinks, oh man, the house isn't clean. And I don't think we have enough food for everyone. Like there's a lot of men coming to this house. And they, where's everybody going to sleep? We don't have enough lamp oil. I like Jesus. He's really cool. But I wanted to rest tonight, right? And I'm not going to have to, now I'm going to have to do all of this work. And then there's the dishes. Because there's a lot of dishes after this is all done and everything. And, 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 and I won't even go to bed till late, right? So one lady starts, starts processing all of what it would entail. And the other one, who's totally different, she's thinking, man, this is so exciting. This is so exciting. We haven't seen Jesus in like forever, right? It's so cool. He always tells the most incredible and the most interesting stories. I can't remember the last time I laughed so, uh, so hard, right? It's going to be so awesome uh, to hang out with the people that I love. I don't care what we, I don't even care if we even eat. As long as we get to hang out and do life together, we're going to have a kumbaya moment. It's going to be awesome. Like this is so cool. I can't wait. Right? Same situation in the family, two different expectations. Two different expectations. There's a term for what's happening inside of their heads. They're forming expectations. So let's define what expectation is. Expectation is the emotionally charged anticipation that something is going to happen a certain way. We all have expectations. Every time throughout the whole day, we are constantly putting out our expectations. When we wake up in the morning, we have expectations. We take our kids to school, we have expectations. We get to work, we have expectations. We come home from work, we have expectations. The game is on. Some of you are expecting your team to win today, and they won't. Sorry, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry, right? Some of us, we just have expectations throughout the day constantly. But here's the thing, our expectations are so obvious, obvious to us that many times we go, we don't feel the need to verbalize, to share our expectations with others. We just, we just expect it, right? We just expect it, that it's going to happen, and so we don't verbalize that. Of course, they're going to see it my way. Hello, why would they see it any other way? My way is the right way. My way is the way to do this, right? I just do it because it's clear. It's, everybody understands that. But do they? Do they understand what the expectations are? Will they do it the way you are expecting it to be done? I've shared this before between my wife and I'm really transparent. I love my wife. And I said, we are, we are opposites on the spectrum, but I don't know how God did it. That's a miracle in itself. We come together and, and God does incredible things, right? She provides stuff that, for me, that I cannot understand or do, and I do the same for her, right? But I, I've said this before. I said, what is 
easy and simple for her may not be easy and simple for me. Right? And vice versa. And so what happens? We suffer when our expectation or our experience falls short of our expectations. We get bent out of shape when what we were expecting to happen, the way it was going to play out, we get bent out of shape. We get aggravated. We get frustrated. We get mad. Like we don't want to talk to people. Our hearts start rolling so far back in our head we can't find it, right? Because our expectations have not been met by the people that we love, that we care about. And then, again, we get angry and, 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 and when they don't seem to be on the same page as us. So here's how it comes out from Martha. Man, this is so unfair. I'm mad that I'm actually doing this. I'm mad that I have to do this. And I'm mad that you expect me to do this. So she's angry. She's so angry that she's distracted by it. Right? It's taken over her. Because her expectations were not met, now she's angry, now she's frustrated, right? And so she is now engulfed with her frustration and her anger, and she's being taken away from everything else. Meaning she can't fully focus on or enjoy what she enjoys doing, which is even more frustrating because she loves hosting. She loves cooking for people. But the way Mary is behaving just sucks all of the joy out from her experience. Church, when we are constantly thinking of and are stuck in or are in the sad, in the, in the hurt and in the dark things, it actually distracts us by twisting and distorting our experiences. So we stew in it, right? We stew in it. We, we replay it over and over in our heads. We relive it. We rehearse the events and the conversations that we had. And we say things to ourselves like, man, they should have. Or they shouldn't have. They're wrong and I'm right. And until they see it and they make that change, I'm not going to be happy. So we sit there and we pout. And we let that just just build up inside of us. And we don't realize that what's happening is there's a wedge happening and, and right before us, it's starting to push our relationships, tear our relationships further and further apart. And that would have been really easy for Martha to do because in the moment right before this, Jesus is teaching about the Good Samaritan. Right? You read a couple of chapters before, Jesus is teaching about the Good Samaritan, which is all about sacrifice. It's all about loving others and laying your life down for others. And she's thinking, that's what I'm doing. That's exactly what I'm doing. So I'm right. And this one over here, she's wrong. Laying at the feet of Jesus, please. Right? And it's even more annoying because Jesus isn't saying anything about it. He doesn't say anything about it until Martha expresses 
right? So instead of calmly confronting our sister, be like, hey, hey, Mary, psst. can I see you over there in the kitchen? Can I speak to you for a little bit? Right? Maybe some hand signals or the wipe of the head, like, right? You know, come to the kitchen. I got to share something, right? Instead of confronting our sister, what does she do? She tells Jesus, tattletaler. She tells Jesus, right? Jesus! She tells Jesus, why isn't, tell her to be more like me, right? So here's what Jesus does. He replies back to Martha, dear Martha. You are worried and upset over all of these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Ouch. Ouch. So what does he see that Mary is doing? What does he see that Mary is doing and Martha is not? Basically, Jesus is saying to Martha, Mary, Mary is present in this moment. She's engaging with me wholeheartedly. We are connecting right here, and that's what I want you to do. But you desire to dictate what she is doing, right? You desire to dictate what she's doing, and it's keeping you from connecting with me through what you are doing. Right? Jesus is not saying, hey, sit here, do this, right? He's saying, man, your affection, you're connected through me by what you are doing through cooking and, 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 and hosting me. That's how you're connecting with me. But you are allowing her, allowing what she's not doing, your expectations of Mary to distract you, to disconnect you from connecting with me. Does that make sense? Right? And the issue isn't whether, uh, isn't what either of you is doing, but in which way you are doing it. Jesus isn't sitting, um, Jesus isn't saying sitting is better than serving, but that connecting is better than controlling. Ooh, amen? That connecting is better than controlling. Because Martha went from like, man, I'm going to connect with Jesus. I'm going to cook him this, this incredible plate of food, and it's going to be awesome. I hope he's not a vegan, right? It's going to be really cool, right? I got all this planned out, right? Sorry, vegan. It was a bad joke. Let me move on, right? But he's saying, man, I want to connect. I want to connect through. I want to host him. I want to make him feel welcome and loved. But because of her expectations, she's now focused on what Mary is not doing and not allowing herself to love and connect with Jesus the way she intended. I believe that if, if Mary would have complained to Jesus that he needed to tell Martha to stop cooking, to stop hosting, right, to come and sit down at his other side, right, Jesus would have responded the same exact way. It's not that she's choosing the chores. It's that she's choosing fear, She's choosing anxiety. She's choosing worry, codependency, pride over openness, communication, and trust. And so I wonder how many of us have found ourselves in that situation as well. Martha wanted Jesus to confront her sister. That's what Martha wanted. But Jesus, Jesus saw this as an opportunity for Martha to confront herself. There goes that mirror again. Put it in front of you. Check yourself. 
See what's going on before you start trying to pick at the other things, uh, at the things that excuse me, other people are doing wrong. Here's the thing, church. Disappointments exist to teach us paradigm-shifting life lessons. Our mistake is assuming these lessons are about others instead of ourselves. Man, we are so quick to point out the faults and when other people don't meet our expectations. And we are super slow to look in the mirror and say, man, could this be a lesson for me, for me to learn, for me to understand, for me to see? Truth be told, I have the tendency to do the same thing. I want Jesus. <laughs> I'm always calling on Jesus to help me make people, right, help me make people into who I think they should be. I want people to connect with Jesus. I want people to love on Jesus. I want people to pray more. I want people to worship more. I want people to read their word more. I want people to connect with others. I want people to invite more. I want people to hang out and laugh and enjoy church. I want all of this stuff. And so I want Jesus, help me. Help me help them, Lord. Help them me help them see that this is what they need in their life because this is who I want them to be. This is who I expect them to be. And much like in the story, Jesus is not interested in what I'm expecting. Jesus is not interested in that. Church and life, change never occurs within the walls of your comfort zone. Right? Change never happens when you are in the comfort of what makes it easy for you. No one signs up for life lessons because they're threatened. Right? They threaten everything our ego clings on to. What does our ego cling on to? It clings on to control. It clings on to security. It clings on to external results. And so anything that threatens that for us, we don't want to have any part with it. Many of you know I tell people when they ask me, what do you do? I said, I'm a life coach. I'm a life coach. I'm starting to realize that maybe that's not, I need to figure out a different way because if I tell them I'm a pastor, they shut down and they don't want to talk to me. And if I now I'm telling them I'm a life coach, be like, oh, no, you're going to tell me what to do now. You know, I don't want to do that. I want to do things my way, right? So what is it that Jesus wants Martha to see about herself? Maybe, maybe he wants her to see how deep her frustration is and what it's really, where is it really coming from? Disappointment over an unfulfilled expectation is never just about the issue at hand, church. In fact, it is everything, every, but everything it surfaces from our past that has not yet been resolved. It's not just about what's on the surface that's bringing up the issue. It's that it's stirring up things underneath that we actually never took care of. We've never addressed in our lives. I'm guessing this isn't the first time that, that Mary sat and Martha served. Right? I'm sure that in many other parties that they had, they had probably had a Tupperware party, and, and Mary is like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Tell me what you did during the weekend. Martha's like, what happened? I thought we were going to go cook. We thought we were going to do this. But she, again, sat instead of served. And it seems like her bitterness over the fact that this has been building up inside of her this has been building up inside of her for quite some time. She's bitter about that. Have you ever been surprised 
church about your own exaggerated blow-up reaction to an unfulfilled expectation? Like, you wanted this. This was your expectation. And I, it happens to me, like, when I go to, like, fast food, I'm in a rush, and I get, stop judging. Right? I guess I go to fast Chick-fil-A. Right? <laughs> no, you guys are judges here. Anyway, I go, and, and, I, and I get something from a restaurant, and I got to go, and I get in the car, and I'm driving, and three blocks away, and I realize that they didn't put something that I ordered. Like, they, a straw went missing. They didn't give ketchup. They gave me the wrong, my expect, and I'm like, like, I can't believe they messed up. You had one job. (laughs) One job. And then I look, catch myself like, really, is it that serious, E? Is it really that serious? You can't take the lid off and just do this? What happened to that? Before straws, that's the way it happened, E. And the more you reflected on it, the more you realized Man, I don't think this is just about this. In fact, I don't even know if this is just about dumb. There's probably something else to it. There's probably something underlining it. Maybe, maybe you lashed out at someone when you found out that you didn't get invited to this impromptu gathering after work. You assumed it was intentional, right? It was on purpose and saw that as a reason to start like bad-mouthing them on social media, you little, right, you start saying stuff about them or, or you start looking for a new job. In reality, it was an innocent mistake, right, and not personal to you, but it triggered the memory of all those times that they didn't invite you to the high school parties or your friends didn't invite you to go hang out because, like, there was something going on, like, for whatever the reason was. And so deep down inside, you didn't address that, and every time that... Someone doesn't invite you now to somewhere. You take it personal. And so the question arises, friends, how do we keep from assuming that the way we see something is the way that everyone should see that same thing? How do we keep from falsely believing that the way I would do it is the way that everyone should do it? How do we stay focused on who God made us to be while allowing others to be Right? Others in our circles, the people that we love, the people that we care about, allowing them to be who God made them to be. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 says, with tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate, always, always, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. <laughs> Like the fast food worker who didn't put the stuff in the bag. And so this morning, I want to give you a little gift. Right next to you in your seat, there is a little chapstick there. And the card says, keep your words soft and sweet. This is exactly what the scripture is telling us. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. So you know those chapped and cracked lips that come about when the wind blows, the seas are starting to dry up? It's not a good feeling. No one really likes that. So every time you pick up the chapstick, you remember that the chapstick has a purpose to keep your lips soft and sweet. Right? Be humble, be gentle, be patient, 
these three traits Martha is missing at the moment, right? Think about it. I'm right. She's wrong. Tell her, Jesus. That's the opposite of humility. Sorry to interrupt the story time, Jesus, but uh, you, you need to tell her, right? You need to tell her to help me right now because I'm about to go off on her. I'm about to let her know, right? That's the opposite of gentleness and patience. Church, we need to make allowance for each other's faults, especially for those that we love and care about. Our expectations for them may not be right. We are not being gracious. Sometimes we find ourselves more gracious to someone else that we don't know, that we're not part of the family that we've never seen before than we would to the people that we love and care about. We need to make allowance for each other's fault. Maybe they're wrong or maybe they're right. Either way, you can't control them. You cannot control them. You can only control yourself. So aim your response, right? Set that to, let that be the standard, right? Aim your response at humility, at gentleness and patience. Keep it soft and keep it sweet because that is what's going to repair the relationship. I can't help but imagine what if Martha would have approached Approach this differently? What if she would have done this differently if she would have walked out of the kitchen, taken a deep breath, calmly sat at the feet of Jesus and said, man, Jesus, can you help me? Can you help me? I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling annoyed. I got this little stirring in my, in my belly here. I'm, this is Everything that needs to happen here needs to get done, and I'm tempted to hate on my sister for not helping me. That feels so wrong to me. What am I missing here, Jesus? What do I do? How do I let go of the anger I have around her for not being like me? What if she came and did that approach? Because Philippians chapter 2 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Here's the thing, guys. I don't think Martha saw her reaction as being selfish. But it was. It was. She wanted to impress Jesus and everyone else there because she was being responsible. She wanted to show everyone else, man, I'm being responsible. She was doing the right thing and everybody else wasn't. But that was all she cared about. That was all she cared about. Maybe you're thinking, man, Pastor E, that's great. I want to be humble. I want to be great. I want to be patient. I want to be gentle. I want to believe the best about people. I don't want to think that I'm right and they're wrong or what they're, uh, um, and that they're trying to stick me with all of the work. But how? How do I do that, Pastor? How, do, how does that happen? So I want you to consider these things in your scope of your relationships and the people that you love and you care about and keep this in your heart and in your mind that they may not have the same personality as you. They may not have the same personality as you. They may not have the same perspective as you. They may not even have the same uh, priorities as you. 
They may not have the same pet peeves as you. They may not have the same capacity as you, which means they won't have the same expectations or impulses as you. And that's okay. Tell yourself, it's okay. Come on. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay, church. Let me wrap it up this morning. Some of you are visiting for the first time. You're like, this guy is bonkers. <laughs> Haven't said this in a while. It's just that I'm a Puerto Rican, a passionate Puerto Rican. That's just how I speak. Well, let me wrap it up this morning. I want to give you two truths. Two truths, right, about how to keep your expectations of others in check with the analogy of restaurants. Right? Number one, you can't expect to be served something you didn't even order. You cannot expect to be served something you didn't order. In other words, communication is key, friends. Communication is so important in your relationships. No one can read your mind, no matter how good of a reader they are. They can't read your mind. You don't have, you're not walking around with these massive books on this is me. These are my expectations. Take a read on it before you get in a relationship with me. That's not how it works. Right? You wouldn't yell at a waiter for not bringing you a meal that you never ordered. Like he comes to the table and you're like, man, where's my pizza? Uh, sir, this is a steakhouse and you didn't order that. You ordered the filet mignon. No, but I want a pizza. I understand that, but that's not what you said. We need to be complete and we need to be whole and we need to be clear in our communication. You cannot be expected, you cannot expect to be given something that you never asked for it. Number two, you can't expect, you cannot expect to be served something that's not on the menu. You can't go to McDonald's and order fried dumplings, at least not in America. Right? Oh, can I get a six-piece uh, fried dumplings? I'm like, who? You're in the wrong place. We don't do that here. This is McDonald's. So you cannot expect to get something, to be served something that's not on the menu. Why? Because they don't have the right ingredients. They don't have the, the, the right recipe. They don't have the tools to give you what you are expecting or what you're wanting. It's absurd to try to get an order of loaded nachos from a fish and chip place. Ain't gonna happen. They can't do it for you. Think about who you go to, church, when you are needing support. Think about who you go to when you're needing encouragement, guidance, unbiased advice, loving feedback, recognition, acknowledgement. Think about who do you go to when you need these things. Do you go to people who are able to give you what you need? Or do you find yourself going to people who do not have what you need and then find yourself getting 
discouraged, angry, and frustrated, and disappointed, even though you knew that was likely to happen when you walked in. You cannot get from someone what they cannot give you. So you can't expect that. I can't sit down with my 11-year-old and tell me and expect her to help me dissect a, a certain part of Scripture because she may not be ready to do that. I can't have a sports fan or a non-sports fan talk to me about sports and expect to be like, oh, this is going to be so cool. No, it's not. You don't know anything about sports. I love what Donald Miller says. It says, when you stop expecting people to be perfect, you can like them for who they are. When you stop expecting people to be perfect, you can like them for who they are. And in the story of Mary and Martha, Jesus is saying the same thing. There are different ways to demonstrate love, friends. What if you're both right and the only wrong thing here is what you are expecting them to be? You're expecting them to be you. That's where we are wrong. They cannot be you, nor will they ever be you. Church, releasing others to be different from you is the key to reducing anger and anxiety. You want your blood pressure to go down? Release others to be different than you. Allow people to be who God created them to be. Don't try to wrap them and slap them and beat them with your expectations. Because I got a newsflash, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to work. That's not who God created them to be. We need to release the people that we love and care about to be who they are who God created them to be and not hold them. It's not about holding them to a higher standard. It's about holding them to your standard. What if your standard is not who God wants that person to be? And now you get all bent out of shape. You're arguing, you're fighting, you're bickering. We need to revisit that church. How do we, how do, we do that? Keep your words soft and sweet. Talk it out. Communicate. Bring love. Bring gentleness. Bring patience to the communication level, to the relationship. Here's another practical way you could exercise that muscle this week at home. Tell each member in your family one way that you're glad that they are different from you. Have the sit down. Grab the devotional. Devotions are incredible. You're not done it. You're missing out. You are absolutely missing out because the devotions create an opportunity for you to communicate other than what's for dinner. Right? Oh, are we taking me to the party? Are we going to go out for dinner? No, let, let's communicate. Let's have this devotion. And then you'll be surprised at what people say during the conversations that are opened up during this devotion time. And at that devotion time, express to each one one way, just one way that you're glad that they are different from you. And you'll see how those relationships 
start to mend. You'll see how that gap, that wedge that the enemy's trying to bring about between you and the people that you love and care about the most begins to close up. Church, keep your words soft and sweet and your lips too. (laughs) I hope you are encouraged. I hope this word impacted you and you're going to leave here and begin to be better and do better with the people that you love and care about the most. Amen.